Gone is a podcast about people who have gone missing from the United States and Canada. These people are daughters, sons, sisters, and aunties. They didn't just disappear. Someone, somewhere, knows something. I'm Katie Nordby. I'm April Krause. And I'm Janelle Feller. These are the stories of Nathan Edberg and Ruth Mazachowski. Nathan Edberg graduated from White Bear Lake High School in 1996. He attended college for a year after high school until deciding to take a year off. In 1999, Nathan was living with his cousin in Badness Heights, Minnesota. He was going through a lot that year. His mother and father recently separated due to his father's alcoholism. Nathan had just quit his last job, and he and his girlfriend of four years broke up. He was reportedly seeking help with depression. On April 14, 1999, Nathan had dinner at his mother's house and then left for a police reserve training at the White Bear Lake City Hall. He was considering a career in law enforcement. His mother, Jackie, said she followed him out to the driveway and said, Nathan, hang in there. You're going to feel good again soon. Nathan replied, I love you, Mom. I want to feel good again. That was the last time Jackie saw Nathan. That, that response, that small conversation, just knowing that he was going through a hard time, and because we're reading his story that he, he is going to go missing, it's so haunting. Yeah, it is. I can't even imagine. The mom, the mom's, what she said and how he responded to that, it, it breaks your heart. After leaving the reserve training, Nathan stopped by Decoy's Bar and Grill in St. Paul to have a couple drinks with friends. The bartender at Decoy said Nathan was a regular customer and was in a good mood. He arrived at 7.30 and ordered a beer. He seemed to be happier than he had been pre during previous visits to the bar. Nobody knows for sure when Nathan left. His truck was spotted by friends that night in a ditch at the juncture of I-694 and I-35 East near Little Canada. It appeared as though Nathan had missed the turn on the highway and ended up in the ditch. It looked like he had tried to get out but damaged the wheels. The doors were locked, but the keys were left inside. There was no sign of Nathan, but they found footprints leading east, away from the truck. Katie, when was this? What time of the year was this? So this was in April, April in Minnesota. April in Minnesota, so it would be the muddy season. Yeah. Uh, cold. Probably, probably cold snow, at night. Probably snow, mud, um, ice. You can still have quite a bit of snow on that in Detroit Triangle. Right. So it, it could the temperatures could be have been uh, dangerous. I mean, it could have been cold enough to be really concerning. Unpredictable. Slippery. Yeah. His vehicle was towed by the state patrol. They didn't know that Nathan was now missing. His parents didn't know that he was missing either. When they hadn't heard from him for a few days, they figured he just needed some time alone to think about things. It wasn't until they realized his truck had been impounded for several days that they reported him missing. Nathan apparently left his wallet at the bar that night, so he wasn't carrying any identification when he vanished. He didn't show up for a job he was supposed to start or a medical appointment. When his mother reported him missing, she tried to get the media involved to push his story out there. But a few days later, the Columbine school shootings happened, and that was taking precedence in the media. In an interview in 2018, Mike Penzler, the crime scene investigator for the Ramsey County Sheriff's Office, said, quote, basically, when I look at it, I can't eliminate anything at this point because we just don't have enough information. 
when someone disappears, there are typically three initial theories explaining the disappearance. These include running away, needing foul play, or passing away from an accident. None of these are ruled out in Nathan's disappearance. There has been no evidence or confirmed sighting of Nathan in the 20 years he's been missing. He literally vanished. Nathan was 21 at the time of his disappearance. He is described as Caucasian, 6'3", 210 pounds, with brown hair and brown eyes. He was last seen wearing a white shirt with light or charcoal gray corduroy pants. He wore two earrings in his left ear. If you have any information about Nathan Edberg's disappearance, please call the Ramsey County Sheriff's Office at 651-266-7320. So he was uh, 21, 6 foot 3, 210 pounds. He had been, uh, had broke up with a girlfriend of four years, uh, which would have been devastating. Um, right. 20, I mean, this is, you know, this is a significant relationship for him. Right, this was, a, this was a relationship that he had in high school. Right, and his parents were divorcing. Um, he just changed jobs, and he disappeared. Right. Did you read anything or see anything that, that really indicated that he may have been suicidal at that time? I didn't see anything that indicated that he was suicidal, um, so I'm, I'm not really sure. So, um, so, in other words, you hadn't seen that he had given away anything or that he was talking about um, hurting himself, that he was just he was just seeking help for depression. Right, right. There was no indication of anything else. Okay. Okay. This is really just terrifying because he was a big, big man. He's 6'3", 210 pounds, and just literally disappeared. Right. Yeah, it's terrifying. I mean, you would think that if he was picked up, you know, by somebody um, after his car got, or truck got stuck in the ditch and something then happened, whoever, by whoever picked him up, he'd be able to protect himself. I mean, he was a big guy. Even if he had drank too much. Right. I mean, if he had just, just, just dropping and not, not supporting your weight, he wouldn't be, somebody could have just taken someplace because he would, would have been too heavy to carry or, or, um, you know, and he could have defended himself very easy just because he was very tall yeah. and very big. Um, and it doesn't, but it, yeah, there's, he was, while he'd had some ending of some relationships, he had, he had, uh, he had broken up with his girlfriend of four years, his parents were divorced, and he was also starting a new job and seemed to be doing better. Yeah, it, it sounded like he had things to look forward to. So then, you know, if he wasn't picked up by somebody, where did he go? What happened? You know, I mean, that's not that where he was, where his truck was found is not rural. I mean, it's right. Very public. Very public. It's, it's scary and it's, it's very sad. And that, I mean, if something had happened to him in 20 years, he would have been found because mowing the ditches or doing anything that if, if he was there, he would have been found. Right. However, he also was starting a new chapter. He was, you said that he was living with his cousin? Yeah. And he was starting a new job. But, I mean, I'm just saying that, make, that maybe he walked away from everything. But I, he was 21 years old. Yeah, and it did talk about, because, you know, that was one of the theories that the yeah. crime scene investigator had. Um, and his mom said he just would not have done that. 
he has siblings that he cared for deeply. Um, his mom, his his father passed away um, just a couple years after he went missing, but um, it wouldn't have been like Nathan to just leave right. with, you know, no explanation, no note, no, no nothing. It just wouldn't have been like him to do that. And especially in that way, you know, it's one thing to just drive off and, you know, never be seen again if that's what you're wanting to do. Right. Um, but you would have driven your vehicle. You would have taken you your ID, your truck. You, you know, you would have taken those things if that's what your plan was. Um, so it just, it, it didn't seem like that was a likely idea or reason right. why he would have done that. Yeah. You know, you look at, did he leave his wallet on purpose? He left the keys in his truck, which I thought was a little weird. And locked the truck. And locked the truck. And why would you do that? I mean, that doesn't seem like I would have kept the keys. If you lock the keys in your truck, you can't get to them. Yeah. Um, without, you know, going home. Or, and they may have been your house keys. They may have been everything. Right. So that seemed a little strange to me. But, but and Unless that was on accident. You know, maybe right. he got out. Right. Didn't right. realize that, you know, he got out thinking he should be try to walk or something. And right. Or it's me on... You know, every every couple of times a year, I lock my keys in. Yeah. For no good reason, just that wasn't frustrated, I wasn't ready for it, just, just a mistake. On accident, yep. yeah. Yep. Or if it were an older vehicle, the door key and the ignition key were different. So chances are he would have just kept the door key locked and the ignition key in the ignition. Sure. That was yeah. kind of a standard practice, too, I think. But either way, it does look odd. Right. It just looks odd. But yeah. there's also, I mean, I don't know about anybody else, but all my keys are on one key ring. My house keys, my other things, and and why would he have left his keys in the vehicle locked? Um, and when he couldn't, he couldn't get into his house if he had gotten a ride there. He didn't have any money on him. To forget your ID and lock your keys in the car. Right. Yeah. It it just it it does seem a little. It's a little concerning. Yeah. But all these years later, but regardless, if he had chosen to take his life, uh, I don't know the Badness Heights area. I don't know what that looks like or if there's lakes in that area or anything. But it, even if he had chosen to take his life, it seems as if he would have been found between now and then. You would think so. Right. Because, I mean, where did he go? You know, right. he couldn't have walked. I mean, I suppose he could have walked that far, but... I mean, he would have been walking down a main, a major highway. Right. You know, I mean, people would have seen him, right. or I just feel like it, he would have, you would think that he would have been found in some fashion by now. That's why, it, you know, that's why it kind of feels like maybe he, maybe this was a choice he made, and, but he had nothing with him. Right. He had nothing. And you can't get a job without an ID. Right. You, right. you can't get a job without an ID. So it's not like he just took off and and uh, started over. At 21 years old, I, it's just very unlikely that he would have left his mom, right. who would have needed him for a variety of reasons, and just done that. So yeah. it's um, it's upsetting, but it seems as if he should have sh shown up somewhere. Yeah. Um, some somehow. So it's just it's very unsettling. Yes, very unsettling. In March 1997, Ruth Ellen. Mazbachowski lived at 27601 95th Street in Camp Lake, Wisconsin, with her husband Thaddeus, or Ted, and her son Richard. Camp Lake is a part of the village of Salem Lake in Kenosha County, so 
I, I guess that that the village village when it says village it's it's kind of a collection of of people who live in the similar area and they um, so they call them a village in, in Wisconsin I don't know that they do they do that anywhere else but so this is just a little area around Camp Lake um, it's in the farthest southeast corner of the state it has a population of about 3,665 people and a per capita income of $17,863. Uh, Camp Lake is a little more than an hour from Chicago. Ruth's mother, Inga Fulker, visited from Mississippi that month. The mother and daughter rarely saw each other, but they talked to each other about, about once a month. During the visit, Ruth told her mother that her marriage was failing and she planned to separate from her husband. Inga tried to encourage her daughter to move back to Mississippi with her. But Ruth decided to move in temporarily with a male friend on Paddock Lake. Ruth had recently started started a new job at Jewel's Food Store in Kenosha, and she really liked it. She had requested March 25, 1997 off. She, had, she was last seen that morning leaving the house on Paddock Lake, and she was never seen again. Ruth had lived at Paddock Lake for just two days. Do we know why she wanted that day off? No. Okay. It, it's not clear. So she would have started this job just recently. Uh, she had been living there for two days. Maybe it was to get her stuff. Sure. I mean, that's what I would have, I would think. Um, maybe it was just to get her stuff, but it doesn't say why. There's very little information on her, and, and it, it's, it's really frustrating. So Ruth's husband, 18-year-old son and male friend, never reported her disappearance, according to the Kenosha Sheriff's Department. They never reported it. The authorities were not contacted until May 19th, when Ruth's mother called them. So almost two months later. From Mississippi. Yes. Ruth left behind her clothing, her jewelry, and her final two paychecks remain unclaimed. Ruth's husband, Ted, is an exterminator and owns Never Nest Pest Control in the Chicago Lakes area. Ted also has a YouTube channel of him singing karaoke cover songs. He had an arrest for disorderly conduct in 2015 and just some minor traffic violations. Their son Richard is a manager of their exterminator business. He's had some minor run-ins with the law, disorderly conduct, destruction of property, and some unpaid bills. But there's nothing else that really is telling about that. The police believe that she is deceased and her case remains unsolved. Ruth Ellen Booker Magachowski was 33 when she went missing. She would be 56 years old today. She is Caucasian with blonde hair and blue eyes. Her photos look as if she may have dyed her hair a darker color. She's 5'8 and weighed 125 pounds. She had a tattoo of a rosebud on her left shoulder blade and her ears were pierced. Her nickname was Ruthie. If you have any information about Ruth Ellen Booker Magachowski, please call the Kenosha County Sheriff's Department at 262-605-5139. Her husband and son never reported her missing. Well, no. So, uh, her son was 18 years old at the time. Apparently he lived at the Camp Lake house. Um, she had moved out. She had been gone for two days. So, she wasn't in the household, in that household at Camp Lake. Right. So they may not have known. Um, it seems as if the mother and son and actually the husband would have had communication back and forth. 
somewhat of some kind. Um, and for the friend that she moved in with, which they referred to him as a male friend, not a boyfriend, not somebody she was necessarily in, a, in an intimate relationship sure. with, but just a male friend that lived at Paddock Lake, which is a is uh, similar to Camp Lake and very is not too very far from it. But she had moved in two days earlier, and he was probably working. You know, maybe he tried to contact her. Maybe in 1997, did they have cell phones? Uh, very, I mean, basic cell phones. But so if they didn't have cell phones, or yeah. they weren't very common, they wouldn't have the same kind of communication that we have today with each other. Yeah. So right. it would have been by landline, by a phone, and um, so he might have, did she move back in with another person? They hadn't, wouldn't have established a routine in that household because she'd only been there two days. But her stuff was all there. Well, it seemed like some of her stuff was there. Yeah. It just seems odd that, you know, if my roommate all of a sudden didn't show up for two months. If your roommate of two days. Right, didn't show up for two months, I would... It's your friend. I mean, not necessarily report her missing, but call the ex-husband or... Hey, is she does she want her, or does she move back in with you or you know reach out to somebody? Maybe not automatically go to you know I'm going to report her missing to law enforcement, but I would say have something been, I guess. So this is they were also friends. Yeah. So they were friends, and your friend, your friend, I mean a week, and not seeing somebody maybe, right. but more than that I would have called. But I really think that this we can hardly remember what it was like before cell phones. Yeah. And having this instant and immediate communication with each other. Well, that's not the way it was. I mean, I, no. I mean, when I was in college, you know, I I talked to my mother once a month. Um, I wasn't in constant communication with my parents. No, or, and I I don't I don't think I was either. I think maybe I called my parents once a week. You know, but but still, if they w- if they hadn't heard from me in two weeks, I mean, they probably would have been concerned, or reached out to my roommates, or you know, I feel like after two months that it's it's upsetting it is upsetting it's upsetting to me and then um it's upsetting that nobody was looking out for her nobody was concerned and she was going through a divorce yeah. she she was going through a tough time so that nobody well i would say that this was this was she was this was her choice this was her choice she was she was making choices for herself and moving on from a life that she didn't want anymore. Right. And in cases like this, in cases like this, they look at the spouse first. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the situation, but they look at the spouse first because um, they have usually uh, the most to gain from from her disappearance. What was the follow-up with the male friend like? There is there was no discussion, so the information that was available to me was very small, and there was no discussion about about suspicions of anybody having anything to do with her disappearance. Uh, and just in a case like this, they would look at the spouse first. Um, they would look at that, and because that's just. I mean, that's a, an, an obvious and immediate connection. But there's nobody that was listed as a person of concern or a, um, there, was, there was a frustratingly small amount of information. And 
and no concerns expressed. Though, the case is still unsolved and it's still open. Well, I think that that's what's so frustrating about this case is that there's just no concern from the beginning. And that's, it's upsetting that this is somebody's mother, this is somebody's daughter, maybe somebody's sister. I mean, literally nobody was like, hey, what happened to her? Where did, why haven't we heard from her? It's just, it's so sad and it's, it's upsetting. And so scary that somebody, an adult, can just go missing. Yeah. Without a trace. Right. The mom, the mom from Mississippi, um, you know, from Mississippi, hasn't heard from her daughter in two months, which they didn't talk, but maybe once in a while. Right. And so, so uh, she may have called and left messages. She may have done those things and um, been no response. It had to be the mother who was all the way in Mississippi that finally notified the police. I mean, even her job didn't express a concern that they had they had two unclaimed checks there. It just, maybe people do that all the time, but... But she just didn't go back to work. But she didn't go back to work and she didn't, didn't pick up her paycheck. Didn't I mean, pick up paycheck. If you quit a job, if you walk off, you, you're certainly taking your paycheck. Right, right, right. Again, just like the last, the last case, if you were planning on doing this on purpose, you would have taken things with you right. to start a new life. Your right. your jewelry of importance, right. your your Any education, money. your purse, your wallet, your uh, your vehicle, mm-hmm. and none of these things. Right. She was just seen leaving the house in Paddock, and that was it. I, no mention of a vehicle, no mention of any of those things. So, it's yeah, and it's somebody's mother, daughter, wife, friend. Co-worker, and this is a tiny little town. This is a tiny little place. It's even Paddock Lake has a population of probably you know uh, under three thousand. It's very small, and um, and she's gone. She's gone. We ask that you do not reach out to the families or post names of possible suspects on social media. Missing person photos, along with information and articles used for these cases, can be found on our website at gone-podcast.com. week's weekly distraction i found on pinterest the giver of all important information (laughs) right (laughs) right um a posting about a 1958 mccall's magazine with an article titled 129 ways to get a husband this was according to a panel of 16 experts in 1958 what would the experts be I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Qualifying expert. I don't know. But there were several categories that they um, they outlined different ways to find a husband. So the first category was where to find him. Get a dog and walk it. Have your car break down at strategic (laughs) places. (laughs) So you stop and you like. Unscrew uh, a lot of nuts in me. What? In 1958. <laughs> what is the, the uh, uh, spark plug? Yeah, I don't uh, know. Yeah. 
And then and then behave like a damsel in distress. Right. That sounds mm. great. Sit on a park bench and feed the pigeons. Absolutely. Be nice to everybody. They may have an eligible son. Get lost at football games. Get a job demonstrating fishing tackle in a sporting goods store. When oh. <laughs> this one's disturbing. Oh. This one's disturbing. When traveling, stay at small hotels where it's easier to meet strangers. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> How to be abducted. Right. That's exactly I know. by a stranger. This is what this is in a lesson. Well, yeah, some of these are really ridiculous, and some of them are hilarious, and some of them are just, I mean, disturbing. <laughs> Don't room with a girl who is a sad sack and let her pull you down to her level. <laughs> no no sad sacks. Sad sacks. Sad sacks. Do not associate with sad sacks. Right. So the next category was how to let him know you're there. Stumble when you walk into a room that he's in. <laughs> Wear obnoxious perfume, <laughs> causing oh, him to have close. an asthma attack. Close. <laughs> Wear a Band-Aid. People will ask what happened. Oh, what happened? Cross your face. Yeah. <laughs> right on your forehead. <laughs> uh, make a lot of money. Absolutely. Carry a hat box. No, so make a lot of money. That will attract. Well, yeah. Like apparently you in 1958, well. just, just it doesn't matter how. I guess so. Make a lot yep. of money and then carry a hat box. I don't know what. Maybe, maybe, must maybe be you put a your money. Piece? Yeah, maybe you put your money in the hat box. I'm not really sure. Hello, madam. Nice hat box. <laughs> maybe. Stand in a corner and cry softly. Oh, chances <laughs> chances are good that he'll come over to find out what's wrong. To put a white jacket around you and haul you uh, off. <laughs> Can you imagine? I know. that This is how ridiculous this list is. By a panel of 16 experts. Professionals. Buy a convertible. Men like to drive them. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. He's not driving my convertible. Uh, dropping <laughs> your handkerchief still works. Your booger-covered handkerchief. <laughs> dropping a Kleenex does not have the same effect. It does not. Dropping a People delicate will hanky. Yeah. Right. The next category was how... <laughs> I think that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. The next category was how to look good to him. Oh, good. This just, the hair on the back of I my know. neck is This was written by men, I know. wasn't it? This was definitely There were some women. There were some women. Oh, my. There was a picture. Oh, my. Um, so get better looking glasses. Right. Men still make passes at girls who wear glasses. <laughs> who are standing in the corner <laughs> crying softly to themselves. <laughs> or try contact lenses. Oh, or. Or. In 1958, were they bricks? I mean, I don't even know. <laughs> Panels of glass. <laughs> of glass. Yeah. Glass shards. <laughs> Practice. Wear contacts and contacts. Is that what it says? That's what it said. Or try contact glasses lenses. or contacts. Right. Oh. Oh. Right. So I think the take home there is you can't wear your old reading glasses. Old fuddy-duddy glasses. Right. Yeah. Sad sack glasses. <laughs> right. Sad sack glasses. <laughs> Practice your drinking with your friends first. That's Take, great advice. Uh, right. Take good care of your health. Men don't like girls who are ill. <laughs> who are ill. But they like the ones that are standing in the corner crying softly to themselves. Right. With but, the dropped hanky. But there's a caveat to this. It says, get a sunburn. Oh. I don't know why. That's all it said. Get a sunburn. Period. You know what? I would avoid somebody like this 
uh, at all costs. Yeah. Somebody walking down the street, <laughs> tripping, with, with <laughs> tripping, with a hat box in their throwing hand, their handkerchief their all over, crying softly to themselves, wearing contacts in 1959 that didn't work so great. It would have been stumbling their way to their convertible. Right. right. Well, after being after practicing drinking, drinking. with their friends. Yeah. With their new glasses. Yeah. <laughs> Change the shade of your stockings and be sure to keep the seams straight. When you are with him, order your steak rare. Don't whine. Girls who whine, stay on the vine. <laughs> I just want to say. Girls who whine, stay on the stay vine. Stay on the vine. Yep. I just want to say that, um, so I would appear more desirable to a man if I... If I ordered my steak rare, yes, In and vomited on the table, right? Because I like my steak charred, charred, yeah. inside and out. I and then, and, but don't whine, right? Don't whine. And I'm not even reading all 129 of them because oh all of them God. were crazy, ridiculous, hilarious. So the last category, there were more categories, but one of them, the last category was wild ideas. Anything goes. Oh, it's zany. Stow away on a battleship. On a battleship. On not a battleship. like on a cruise. No. No. Battleship. Battleship. Stow away. It gets better. Oh, it gets better. These wild ideas. Sink at a fashionable beach at high noon. Sink. I'm not making these words up. This is literally a what it's Fashionable beach. So not your average run of the mill kid beach. No, a fashionable Has to be a one. Fashionable beach. Yep. And how do you sink at a beach? Yeah. Well, paint your name and number on a roof. And say, give me a buzz, pilots. Again. Uh, <laughs> it's like a target on that your back. Yes. Of, uh, yes. uh, you know, uh, please abduct yes. me. I have nobody, right. I have no concerns. Give me a buzz, pilots. <laughs> Bribe Ferris wheel operators to get you stuck at the top of the Ferris wheel. Stand on a busy street corner with a lasso. Ask your mother. <laughs> Ask your mother to take in male boarders. I am, I just, I've, I've lost words. I know, I know. Let it be known in your office that you have a button box and will sew on bachelor's buttons. But don't marry him if he has too many loose buttons. The last what? one. What? <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say about this. I know. I have a button box. I just want to say that all of these behaviors are exactly what we would warn women not to do today. I know. This is how ridiculous how this is. The last one, rent a billboard and post your picture and telephone number on it. So that was 1958 Facebook <laughs> or Tinder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just drive a little faster. Nope. Wipe. Right. Five miles on the road. Drive a little Wipe. faster. Mm. <laughs> Those oh. are awful i know hilariously ridiculous right and all the things we do the opposite of today yes. or should or should and also i feel as though these could potentially get somebody committed <laughs> yeah right this day and <laughs> they're age. standing on a corner with a lasso drunk stumbling over their shoes with contacts that don't work and a hat box and that's not but even all 129 remember, oh my they god make a lot of money and they make a lot of money yeah Right, so that that's and absolutely tell your mother to take in strange men in her home. <laughs> right, your poor, sweet, elderly mother. Yeah. Oh my God. That is let all your friends know that you're available. Just let them know. Or just 
be single for the rest of your life with right. all of your money. And I do want to know why it's it's you shouldn't have you shouldn't be with somebody who has too many missing buttons. I didn't explain that. I'm curious also. Because that's not the kind of guy you want to hang out with. Clearly. Because it's considered sloppy, maybe? Oh, well, I would say that that I would say that it's not, he's not very careful. Oh. Well, and I feel we should have a, a quantitative number there. You know, how many <laughs> buttons? <laughs> Ten buttons? In all of, all of his attire. Twenty-five buttons. Right. How many is too many? Right. right. A girl must know to not be a sad sack. Oh, must you have your own button box. Yep. And not to whine. Oh, my Lord. Don't because you whine. girls that whine stay on the vine. And girls that eat raw steak throw up on the plate. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's just me. <laughs> yeah, McCall didn't include that one, okay. but it's, it's assumed, it's I guess. Assumed. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just adding. I'm just adding in how to catch the man. Right. And 19. Oh, sorry, it's 2020. Holy cow! Feels like 1920. In many ways, in many many ways today, it doesn't feel so different than the 1950s. Right. I'm happy to say though that we've come a long way from that list. Really. I also feel too, and I feel that we should really give attention to the fact that Northern Minnesotan women are a different breed of women anyway. <laughs> so to tell a northern Minnesotan woman to be a damsel is very degrading, I feel like, yes. in this day and age because there's nothing that I can't do or I will die trying. But to tell them to be a damsel is like... Right. Yeah, it's like, thank God it's a different time. Yeah. Right? And, and I don't, I, I'm done talking about that. <laughs> I'm done. So my my uh, uh, distraction this week is is a continuation of what I had before, which is interesting, interesting facts, or maybe not so interesting facts. And again, I don't have to know if these things are true. I'm just I could be just making them up. <laughs> uh, instead of saying cheese before taking a picture, Victorians said prunes. <laughs> oh, why? They say cheese because the word leaves us with a big smile on our face. But if Victorian era people were to say, to see our gleeful expression, they'd scoff. Uh, once upon a time, smiling in photos was considered undignified and reserved for the poor and the drunk. Oh, <laughs> great! Safe prune. A more serious look. Toll. Uh, uh, look in the pictures uh, when they say the word prunes, and I think that prunes. Prunes. I want to see. Looks this like prunes. Looks like the word. Yeah. Prune. Prune. A word so dull, the chances of it inciting a smile are slim, slim to none. Oh. Unless you've eaten too many prunes. Right. Yeah, it could get very exciting. Yep. Mm. Roosters have built-in earplugs. Well, that explains a lot. That does explain a lot. Considering how a rooster's call can get up to 140 decibels or louder, it might lead one to wonder how... The rooster keeps himself from going deaf when that noise is coming right out of its beak. Turns out that the farm fowl has built-in earplugs. That does huh. make sense. Could be helpful. And when the rooster opens its beak to crow, its external auditory can uh, sorry canals close off, preventing sound from coming in and serving as earplugs. I want that. Well, that's why they don't stop when you yell at them, too, because they can't hear you. Right. <laughs> I just... I, I don't 
yelling over, yelling at a rooster today. Shut up. Well, it would work, but but I mean, apparently it would yeah. work. I've never yelled at a rooster. <laughs> the Netherlands are so safe, it can torch criminals to fill its jails. The Netherlands have enjoyed a steady drop of crime since 2004, and it has become so safe it it has closed down one prison after another. 19 prisons shut their door in 2013. Wow, that is incredible. What are they doing? What Let's are they do doing? some of that to help mitigate the job losses that has created. The country has taken into taken to importing prisoners from other countries, bringing in 240 prisoners from Norway in 1950. I'm sorry, in 2015. In 2015. But what's neat is is that they have all that they need, yep. and there's no need to commit a crime. Right. Well, well, and and they're free to be who they want to be and do what they want to do. There's no stress. No mm. stress. Gosh, I think we should... I'm moving to the Netherlands. <laughs> One journal published a fake story about Star Trek. To, keep, to help expose how easily false or flawed research can make its way into supposedly peer-reviewed journals, an anonymous biologist managed to get a paper about one of Star Trek's most infamously silly elements accepted by four journals and published it and published in the American Research Journal of Biosciences. The biologist explained that he did so to expose predatory journals that claimed to offer peer-reviewed open access publications, but will publish anything for a fee. That's upsetting. That is very true, though. Is it? Peer-reviewed journals are notoriously Lax. Inaccurate. Really? It just That's takes exciting. one person to fund your research and say that I agree with yours. And there it is. Wow. That actually is very exciting. I can think of a new <laughs> hobby. <laughs> Absolutely. Making up, making up stories for science oh. journals. Oh, my God. It just sounds like the most boring thing in the world. Yeah, it does. The world's largest pyramid isn't in Egypt. The Great Pyramid of Cholula, Cholula, C-H-O-L-U-L-A, located in Cholula, Pueblo, Mexico, is the largest pyramid in the world, world, with a base four times the size of the Great Pyramids of Giza. Well, there you go. It also happens to be the largest monument ever constructed anywhere. So, uh, part of the reason it's not better known may be that it happens to be buried under a mountain. Ooh. Oh, that could have something to do with it. Maybe. Yeah. Huh. Coke saved one town from depression. Well, sort of. The country was reeling from the Great Depression. A local trusted banker in the town of Quincy, Florida urged anyone who would listen to invest in Coca-Cola stocks. Then selling at $19 a share. Oh, $19 a share during the Depression would have been very difficult. Yeah, it would have. Having followed his advice, and when the company's stock boomed, as he promised, others followed. Soon, at least 67 inhabitants in a town of fewer than 7,000 people became Coca-Cola millionaires, making Quincy the U.S. the richest U.S. town per capita. Wow. There you have it. $19. Wow. That's great. <coughs> Share a Coke. <laughs> there you go. Uh, London cabbies have to memorize literally everything. If you take a taxi cab in London, you can expect the driver to know exactly where they are going since it is required to take a series of tests known as the knowledge. Oh. Oh. These require them to study 320 routes and 25,000 streets, not to mention 20,000 landmarks and places of public interest. Estimated uh, to take as long as four years to fully complete. Wow. The knowledge. The knowledge. 
There was a secret baseball Hall of Fame inductee. In 1988, a bar owner visiting the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York, made a surreptitious addition to the honorees, slipping in a photo of his dad wearing a baseball uniform into one of the glass cases. <laughs> it remained there for six years before it was detected. I love that. It belong there. That is wonderful. Yeah, that's that's cute. There's one for my dad. Yeah. <laughs> one for my dad. That's wonderful. Um... Did you know that dolphins have actual names? Dolphins can easily identify one another thanks to the fact that early in life they created a unique vocal whistle that allows them to be identified by other dolphins in its pod. Hmm. Huh. Um, they found that to be true when they played back the specific call. Wow. So, dolphins scare me. Why? They're very smart. Yes, they are. Are you going to have a... Uh, I just, I just hope that they never learn how to operate on land. Because you couldn't speak. Right. Yeah, they would need right. legs first. I'm just well, saying. <laughs> just saying that's, they could figure it out. They, they could figure it out. That's, that's, that's irrational fear that you have, a concern that you have. Little coral prosthetics and <laughs> coral prosthetics, and, and getting all the way to Minnesota. That's right. It could take a while. The dolphins are coming. The dolphins are coming. Well, now you can. Now you can look as a as if you are a uh, damsel in distress, at the mercy of dolphins. And I could publish a research study on it. Yes. And have it be totally validated. Exactly. I hope you do that. That's our goal. <laughs> Superman helped to take down the KKK. In the 1940s, a 16-episode series of the hugely popular Adventures of Superman radio series incorporated the findings of activist Stetson Kennedy who had infiltrated the Ku Klux Klan, but had, not, had, but had been unable to get local authorities to use the information he found to crack down on them. The Creators of Superman show used the secrets he provided them to tell a story of, in the Clan of the Fiery Cross. The Creators of, of Superman used secrets that he provided to tell a story, to help tell the story on the Clan of the Fiery Cross exposing the organization to the public and removing much of the mystery that the resurgent organization was enjoying at the time, um, earning it widespread mockery and condemnation. Hmm. But Clan of the Fiery Cross helped to take down the Ku Klux, Ku Klux Klan. Interesting. That's, I didn't know that. So you may or may not know this, but the Manhap Manhattan's tap water isn't kosher. It's not. There are tiny crustaceans that have been detected in the tap water of New York City, and while these creatures pose no health threat to those drinking the water, it is technically it technically disqualifies them as being considered kosher. <laughs> oh my oh, gosh! Tiny crustaceans. Yeah, that you're drinking every day. Oh. Uh. <laughs> uh, cold water is just as cleansing as hot water. When using modern detergent, clothes will be equally clean whether using warm or cold water. Um. And about 75% of the energy used to wash a load of laundry comes from warming the water. Huh. Very interesting. I had no idea. That's really interesting. Because I feel like my clothes are much cleaner when I do it in hot. Like when I wash my towels and my sheets and there's like scalding hot. I feel like they smell better and they feel better. I don't know because I wash almost all my clothes in hot water. I don't, I don't know if I wash all my clothes in hot, hot water. I mean, warm, warm, cold water, but... So, I don't do the laundry. You don't do the laundry? But my husband does. But he'll be interested. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can't 
can't even answer because yeah, I'm like, Yeah, share that with him. Share that with him. I will. Share that, uh, my face is, what? Pure shock to shock. That was good. A U.S. park ranger once got hit by lightning seven times. That would be Roy Cleveland Sullivan, a park ranger in the Shenandoah National Park in Virginia, who between, so actually he didn't get hit once. He got seven times, hit seven times. But who between 1942 and 1977 was struck by lightning on seven different occasions, earning him an entry in the Guinness Book of World Records and the nickname Human Lightning Rod. He survived all of them and lived to, <laughs> and lived to the age of 71. Wow. That's crazy. To think they would stop during cars. He should have bought a lottery ticket. Well, he already won. What? I mean, what? A life? Well, yeah. Oh, seven times. Seven times. Oh, that. And what can, you know, very unlikely, very unlucky person, and you wouldn't want to hang out with him. No. No, Rod, I'm fine. Rod? Sorry. (laughs) His nickname was Human Lightning Rod. No, Rod. His name was Roy. No, No, Roy. Roy. I think I'll ride by myself. <laughs> no, I do not want to go for a hike. <laughs> no. I'm not playing golf with you, Roy. No, not today, Roy. No. Did that to me once, and it wasn't fun. Yeah, Roy. So, bottled water ex- has expiration date, which I think is hilarious. But it's not for the water. It's for the plastic. Ick. Because uh, oh. the plastic will start, start leaching into the liquid. Yeah. Ick. Queen Elizabeth could not sit, would not sit on the Iron Throne. Queen Elizabeth played a, a royal visit to the game to the set of Game of Thrones in Northern Ireland. She refused to sit on the Iron Throne for legal reasons. As David Benioff told Esquire, apparently the Queen of England is not to sit on a foreign throne. This is an esoteric rule we didn't know about until that moment. Wow. That is cool. Strange. A hiker found and returned an ancient wallet. Wow. Halfway up the glacier in the Andes, hiker Ricardo Pina found a wallet. It turned out that it belonged to a Uruguayan rugby player who had been in a 1972 crash of Flight 571. I don't think 1972 makes it English. Makes it an ancient wallet. <laughs> no, maybe a vintage. <laughs> ancient so in this crash, everybody who was born that year is offended. <laughs> it wasn't ancient; it was old. It was old. <laughs> so, so in this crash, all but fifteen passengers died. As it turned out, the wallet belonged to one of the survivors, and Pena tracked that person down and returned the wallet more than three decades after it was lost. That's crazy. That is crazy. But what an adventure! Yeah, it would be fun. So, did you know that? South Koreans are four centimeters taller than North Koreans. Huh. Huh. A rese- researcher from a university in Seoul has found that North Koreans, on average, are four centimeters shorter than those in South Korea, pointing to malnourishment, oh. economic stagnation, and a lack of immigration as reasons for the stunted stature. Wow. Sounds like a gross generalization. <laughs> and how many times have you been to Seoul? <laughs> So many. Either either Korea, either South or North Korea. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know either. So. <laughs> <laughs> no opinion. So animal shelters are slammed on July 5th. Oh. Because so many animals run away from the fireworks. Oh. So they, yeah. I bet. So my last one is, did you know that the most successful pirate 
was a woman. I did know that. Did you know I that? I did. But tell me why again. The 19th century pirate Ching Shi, a former prostitute and a widow of the fearsome pirate Chang Wan, was a hugely successful pirate in her own right, succeeding her husband and eventually commanding more than 1,800 pirate ships and 80,000 men. The secrets she learned about her powerful clients at the brothel also came in handy. Wow. Get it, girl. And she didn't have to do any damsel in distress stuff. Right. Right. She was a pirate. She was a pirate. That's cool. I didn't know that was a job option. No. No. Where was that on career day? Right. Exactly. There was nobody telling me about that because I would have wanted to be a pirate. My favorite letter would be R. <laughs> What is a pirate's favorite letter? <laughs> <laughs> no, it'd be the C. <laughs> oh, good one. That was a good pirate voice. That was my best pirate voice. You have to close one eye to really do it oh. right. You wouldn't. That, if you would have done that, it would have sounded like oh, that. Oh, 